Okay, everybody there? Hey, Linnea. Hi, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> We've got nice Texas sunny weather today. I know, it's really beautiful. Welcome to the Rope Walker Podcast, a collection of conversations with residents of the Corsicana Artist and Writer Residency. My name is Trey Burns. I'm an artist, filmmaker, and former Corsicana resident at 100 West in the spring of 2019. Today I'm in conversation with Linnea Kanaz, a painter and sculptor from New York, and Olivia Smith, a longtime friend of 100 West, a Dallas native, and co-founder and director of the Lower East Side Gallery Magenta Plains. Linnea is probably best known for her paintings, which I find very beautiful. They have this kind of ad hoc, lumpy quality that's subtle in both form and color. In her sculptural works, she works with materials like white nylon ripstop, colored pencil, nuts, bolts, threaded rods. Like any good sculpture, it eludes photography. But just to quickly mention that we've put together some photos and videos of Linnea's studio on the website, along with both Linnea and Olivia's bios and info so that you can learn more. And with that housekeeping out of the way, let's jump right in. You both um, have a shared background in dance. Um, and you're both sort of from the middle of the country, the middle of the suburbs. And I imagine you both going to dance class in a strip mall or something. Is this, a, <laughs> I mean, is this something you guys connected over? Um, not right away. I think that's actually something I only learned about Olivia maybe recently. Um, is that right? I, yeah. I, I think so. I mean, um, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I, I don't know if we talked about that right I off the bat. So, no. um, but we actually ran into each other at, what was it? Was it a Balanchine? It was, yeah, at the New York City Ballet um, at Lincoln Center, mm-hmm. which is really fun um, to see. I mean, we sent run into you, and it was a beautiful show. I think it was, um, um, I'm trying to think what the performance was. It was one of his earlier pieces, um, and it it was super really abstract kind of yeah feeling. i know i the title's like on the tip of my tongue it starts with an s <laughs> <laughs> <I don't remember> <laughs> but, but yeah, very I mean, elegant beautiful yeah <laughs> the way that you like carry yourself and like your poise and everything i think i probably we probably talked about movement or dance early off the bat and i might not have revealed my background in ballet because it was so long ago now yeah um but it's definitely something that um I feel like adds to the work that you make and maybe just like your spatial awareness Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah I think that's a good way of putting it because I don't I rarely like directly use it in my work um but I think about it all the time because I love going to dance performances and I like going to dance class and um, and I know my work, the paintings and also the sculpture are sort of a way of like tracking the the movement that I do in the studio, even if it's just like a hand gesture. Um, so uh, I think of action, but I, I don't necessarily think of like dance directly always. But um, yeah, it's something I like to have in my head while I work. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I'm not sure we've ever really talked about the idea of like overt choreography, mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I wonder if just 
the years of sort of discipline and um, experiencing your body in choreography is something that, well, we've talked about your work being performative, so. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, definitely, I mean, it's, oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I was just going to say, but the notion of choreography maybe just seems a little bit um, not applicable, but it could be like a loose, loose actions. I think so. I mean, I think, um, yeah, I mean, I definitely think about placement and sequence of objects and or color or gestures, you know, in drawings. So like in that sense and like organizing um, colors and gestures and um, either spatially or on the surface. So I think in that way, like I do, um, I the word choreography could apply, but it, it also maybe seems like too specific to dance um, to necessarily be like the perfect word to describe that. But I think um, like structure is so, is, you know, I, I feel like I'm just constantly like structuring materials, structuring color. And, and in that sense, um, I, you know, I, I relate when I hear a choreographer speak, like I feel like I can really relate to their process sometimes. Hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> We're talking about, you know, dance relating to the way that you approach your practice. I'm wondering, when did you become aware that this is the way that you were working, like with this empirical mm -hmm. approach? Was this something that just developed naturally over time? Or did you sort of have a moment where you realized that's what you were doing and that's what you wanted to pursue? Um, you mean like using, by empirical, you mean like using what is like in front of me and and observing it and... Um, yeah, I guess I yeah. should say empirical and performative. Mm -hmm. I think, I mean, I don't know, I mean, I think being at CalArts, you know, like just going back to school, like made me much more aware of the way I work and, and, and the choices I made because it was clear that I wasn't working, you know, the ways other people in the program were. So it felt like I was really making, like taking a position there. Um, and that's probably when I became most conscious of it. And I also started working outside of painting more. So I was working, you know, in doing, making installations in my studio and using like painting directly on the walls and directly on the floors and using um, materials that were really accessible to me in my environment. Um, and and I, I think that's when I realized how much process and um, my actions and my performance were essential to the way that I was working. So I, I do think it happened there. And I was, um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if I can like explain what I was choosing not to make, but there were lots mm. of, you know, um, but, but somehow when I was there, I feel like it was really clear, like I'm not going to um, start with, you know, by reading a book and taking a specific idea and researching that, and then I'm going to make the objects, you know, like it was very clear mm -hmm. that that's not how I generate um, the objects or installations that I make, um, that it was more through experience. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Speaking of CalArts, um, when we were talking before, you, you were, you mentioned that you had Harry Dodge as a teacher and, and he said yeah. something that stuck with you was, which was what's at stake. 
And I mean, I mean, is that fair to ask you that right now? Or maybe, maybe just what's at stake today in your studio? No, I hate that question. <laughs> I hated that question. But, I, you know, I've been thinking a lot about um, why, like, why do you do something? You know, and I, and I think it's like really, especially God, I've been in the studio for two months now in Corsicana and I've been like very much alone with my thoughts. So it's a good time to like start questioning things and, um, I've been, in some ways I've been realizing like, I don't think why is a good question or like an important question for me. <laughs> Maybe that's just a cop out, but like, um, it's more thinking about how I do things and like, uh, and, and that goes back to sort of like process and approach and, and how, um, that's a question I'm more interested in exploring. Um, and, and I think somehow like that question, what's at stake is a better question than like, why do you do what you do? But it's, it's, it is, it's an overwhelming question. I don't know. I don't really want to answer. I, I don't think I'm, I'm ready to answer it. I think I, I, you know, it's easier while I'm working to think about that in like really small doses, you know, like just like literally like, you know, what's at stake by, you know, using, choosing yellow over blue or, or putting this, um, you know, um, like rubbing the paint in and scratching it off versus rubbing the paint in and painting into the surface of the canvas and leaving it there. Um, I feel like what's at stake or I answer that sort of while I'm working, but I think it is hard to step back and like answer that right now. <laughs> yeah, um, if that makes sense. I just wanted to comment that I think, um, Linnea's way of like building out a world in her studio in which she can ask what's at stake by using this particular yellow is like just the perfect example of someone who's very in tune with their their process and um I think kind of it's especially in this moment at least for me when I talk to a lot of artists it's kind of the only way forward when mm -hmm. the questions are so big um, mm -hmm. for every aspect of life. You know, everyone's questioning their health and their financial um, ability yeah. to move through the world and um, what the future holds. And so I think that that's just like such a healthy approach for an artist to take. Uh, studio, car or house, which one would you clean first? Me? Oh, God. <laughs> I guess me, obviously. Yeah. Um, like studio, car, or house. Definitely my studio, for sure. Because I, I have trouble thinking a lot of the times unless it's um, clean. You know, I have trouble seeing things unless it's clean. Um, and it goes through stages where it has to kind of explode and get messy, but, like, it's so essential to bring it back to a clean place for me. <laughs> so uh, for your exhibition at, at Magenta Plains, uh, one of the images I saw, or one of the exhibitions, you, you showed um, tomato cages. Mm -hmm. And uh, I love I loved this book project where you, you shot your sculptures in your grandmother's garden in Oshkosh. And I, I wanted to know if you would mind talking a little bit about that project and any sort of legacies that your grandmother's garden has had on your practice. Yeah. Um, that project um, started with, um, I guess it was the publishers I worked with, they were called Space Sisters Press, and they approached me to do a project, and I was excited to work on a book. I had made little books before, but they were more just like, 
documentation of installations in my studio. And so I saw this as an opportunity to try something new. And the first project I sort of could think of was to move my work outside because I never worked outside. And also to choose a site that wasn't um, a studio or a gallery, uh, but to choose something that was more personal to me. So I thought of my grandmother's garden. Um, and the garden at the point I was working in, it was very much um, in an in-between state. It was, it had been a couple of years since she had actively worked and maintained the garden because she was sick at the time. So she wasn't even living at the house. So my grandfather was still sort of maintaining and, and growing like a few things, like a couple peppers and some tomato plants. But otherwise it was very overgrown um, and with weeds. And um, so it was sort of the perfect place for me to, to be able to, to like, uh, I guess, work in um, because it wasn't something I had to be careful around. It wasn't a, a space that was still really being used. Uh, so I went there and I, I worked in the garden for two weeks and built um, a few site-specific sculptures and assemblages and then also made some paintings, which I ended up hanging around the fence that surrounded the garden. And then I had a friend, Adam Kramer, who is a photographer, come. He actually came out to Oshkosh from Brooklyn and photographed it with me for a few days and that's what's in the book um and I guess you're talking asking about legacy or like how um my grandmother's legacy affects the materials I choose or, or the way I work and I think you know in our conversation we had a few weeks ago I mentioned like um something I noticed working in the space is how much she was interested in recycling and uh, like using or more like, um, you know, you upcycling. I feel like that's a term that sometimes she's you where know, you choose, you use something like um, uh, that would be used, that would either be thrown out or used for something else, and then you turn it into something else. And she did that a lot to make, to take care of her garden, to protect plants from insects. And um, she would use, um, you know, various things. To, to create new tools like scoops and knives and um, things that she needed to make the garden work. And I feel like I that really resonated with me. And I would see like um, signs of that while working in the space. I'd like even dig up just, you know, like little pieces of plastic from the soil. And I could tell that that was something maybe, you know, maybe she had used or she had dropped or that used to be attached to a plant to protect it. and. Um, I really, I really, yeah, like I said, it really resonated with me and I realized that's something I like to carry into my process and, um, you know, find materials that are accessible, um, to me in my uh, immediate environment, but then to like reinvent how they can be used. <clears throat> that's super interesting, Linnea. Um, I didn't know that about your grandmother, but it reminds, you know, of how she was upcycling things, but it reminds me of when you first told me about this project and you mentioned that garden was started, um, was it after the war? There was a it, term you used. Oh, I think you're, th wait, wait, wait. I'm, you're thinking, I don't think, I think we were talking about this. This, her garden was started not after the war, though she did grow up in Sweden during the war and her mm. father had 
a garden. And those are called um, victory gardens. Victory that garden. right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I just, I was trying to remember that term. I'm yeah. looking at these images as you're talking and, um, you know, you've got these sort of metal strips of metal that are long, um, sort of like leaning and sort of jutting out into the air, but also embedded into the grass and you've made some cuts into the ground, Mm -hmm. which you've like articulated with, I think another piece of metal and you've like altered some of the colors um, of the dirt with pigment. And Mm -hmm. um, like you said, hung some paintings on the fence and I'm just sort of struck I'm also seeing a uh, some picture of broken pieces of brick that you organized. I know you've used brick a lot in your practice. And um, I'm sort of struck with the fact that you use industrial materials quite a bit mm-hmm. in your mm-hmm. sculptures. Um, I think you used like gutter down pipes and bricks mm-hmm. and, you know, the tomato cages that Trey mentioned and um, even some of that sort of plastic, I'm not sure what it's called, uh, some sort of, um, a construction site plastic mesh mm-hmm. um, and it's so interesting how the industrial materials in this garden and in this sort of like outdoor domestic space um, they sort of blend in in this beautiful way <laughs> um, I would just like to know a little bit about um, how the you know, if you see industrial materials mm-hmm. um, as being similar to nature or as something entirely different or how it sort of those materials relate to this overgrown environment. Yeah, I guess my first thought was that they seem really different from like the natural world, um, but they are used. I mean, I feel like a lot of the materials that, you know, like the cement pavers and the steel bar and um, um, I used like a lot of wire and, and like kind of like this like plastic string that I found um, in that installation in the garden. Those are all things that really you, you do use sort of to maintain a garden or you could. Mm-hmm. Um, so somehow they do go hand in hand, but like I, I think – um, the quality of them is is very different from the natural things growing. But I think what I like to do is like I, you know, I don't, I don't like I said like I sort of like to reinvent the way I use these sorts of materials. And I think I end up using my hands so much to paint them or to mold them um, or to bend them. And I think they end up like the unnaturalness really starts to shift when I do that, you know, it becomes much more related to the body. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and that way I feel like, I know in some ways, like I'm mediating between, you know, the natural and the, and the, you know, mass produced or something. Um, Definitely. Well, I'm looking especially at these steel strips that Mm -hmm. um, go like several feet in the air. And I'm reminded of a, phrase that we actually had in your press release which was a willful precariousness yeah oh my god yes (laughs) we talked about that quite a bit yeah um and then you know I'm thinking about how your paintings are sort of 
um, stretched over these rubber tubes and how there's evidence of the struggle to stretch them in these odd shapes. And, um, you know, you can kind of see this stapling and um, some of the form and structure of the paintings are visible from the sides. And I thought maybe uh, you could talk about your interest in the sort of exposing that or setting up the conditions of a willful precariousness. Yeah, um, I know. I don't. This is something I feel like I can't escape. Like I, I feel like everything, <laughs> <laughs> because like I, I, I have like you know I, I'll maybe set um, set myself up for this really with this clear plan of of what I want to make, and then it just inevitably um, becomes um, like not as clean as I want it to be, and I and I make that. Um, and I end up like always just like pushing that forward and, and exaggerating it. And um, I don't, I think it has something to do with the materials I use and, you know, I don't know, some, some a translation, like translating the materials I buy or find and then translating them into the forms that I invent. And in that translation, um, things are just like pushed and pulled and, um, and they're, they're, um, and, uh, you know, pushed to the point of being a little slightly off balance. And, um, I don't know, I think there's something that just like, I, I, that, that just happens. It's not something, um, I, totally control, but it's something that I control in, or I, I, I aim to sustain and sort of like, um, and, and, um, hone in the work. Um, and yeah, I guess I, I, I feel like exposing those like imperfect structures, um, is somehow important for the viewer. I don't know. Yeah. My, uh, when we talked before in my notes, I, I circled um, hardware store artist. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm wondering, I'm wondering how you would feel about sort of that relationship. Um, Cause there was like a sort of like a tinkering that's going on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't feel like I have any particular connection to a hardware store. I mean, I, I get what you're saying, but I, it's not something I seek out, or like I would want, I would seek out that sort of um, connotation necessarily in my work. I think it's more just that those are, those materials are accessible to me. And, um, well, I would say, I don't know I mean, if, if that, I can, if I can yeah. just jump in, yeah. I mean, your work is in some ways investing architecture. And I know that that's a personal interest of yours. So, yeah, yeah. you know, I think that that really just plays into um, you know, that you're taking your cues from certain, um, you know, references to the built environment and, mm -hmm. um, you know, your work is not necessarily figurative, but, you know, I think you are talking about the body and space in a lot of ways and the way that we interact with, um, the built environment. And, yeah. um, I'm remembering from our exhibition, uh, you actually had told me about some Scandinavian design um, influence on Midwestern architecture mm -hmm. and how that influenced the, the colors that you were picking to paint some of the sculptures. Uh, 
unpacking that a little bit because I think that relates to what Trey is bringing up. Yeah, no, that's that's a good point. Yeah, I think I was I think it was Alto that I was talking about, mm-hmm. um, and um, I think you yeah I I I feel like that sort of that color like using those colors was really specific to the sculptures in the sh- at, in the show at Magenta Plains. And I think it, it really did come from, I think, my experience working in my grandmother's garden, being mm. in this um, community in Oshkosh and seeing those sort of like suburban um, houses and, um, and, um, and, and somehow, but also simultaneously reading um, about Alvaro Alto and other designers as working at this architecture nonprofit at the time, my, my, boyfriend or partner is an architect so I'm, I'm constantly um I really enjoy reading about architecture and I think I sort of realized the connection you know my you know, my grandmother was Swedish there's lots of Scandinavian immigrants coming to the Midwest and I was sort of um thinking oh there must be some sort of relationship between um just like sort of what we think of as like, you know, mid-century modern Scandinavian design mm-hmm. and the Midwest. And, but also thinking about how that was translated and how the translation, you know, it didn't translate directly. Like it translated in strange ways, like maybe through the color of these um, uh, um, drain pipes that I was looking at, which were not just white, but they were like coming in all of these uh tones of heritage art. cream exactly yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think you had called it a suburban colonial palette which i thought was yeah so yeah 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 <laughs> i was really interested uh when we were talking before about this um about having a studio in new york and the way that you were able to work only on one idea at a time uh and that the how this new space is sort of affording you this luxury of being able to work on on multiple ideas. Yeah, it's great. This is it's such a big space. I have a. Um, it's almost crazy when I like map out my the size of my studio within the studio <laughs> I'm in now. It's so crazy. How it's many like, New York studios can you, fit <laughs> can you fit on your um, in your studio and I, at 100 watts? I think I could fit. 10 at least oh i probably could fit more <laughs> i really could <laughs> so it's just like there's no it's so yeah and i realize i'm making you know if i make um yeah like one sculpture that is basically the whole width of the studio in new york you know it's just so strange um and how easily actually you can scale up that's also something i've realized and um, and it is nice. I mean, I, um, in New York, I do work on multiple works at once. So in that sense, I'm working on, on multiple ideas, but I, I tend to like not, I, I tend to usually go through like a period where I'm working on just paintings and then I move to something more sculptural and I'll sort of switch back and forth between them. And they'll, they'll coexist in the space. Like once I'm done with the paintings, they'll be surrounding me as I make the sculptures, but I usually can't actually go back and forth between the two. And here, um, I have been doing that. I, I, just cause I, I can sort of divide the space up and, um, and move between. And that's been, um, 
Yeah, I, 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 I don't. I actually, I don't think I've like reflected enough yet to know how or to understand how that's, um, you know, affecting the work itself. Uh, I visually, I can see how it's affecting, you know, how the paintings are sort of taking formal cues from the sculpture in a more direct way. But I don't know. Um, I, I don't know if I could speak like any deeper about that right now. But it is. It's. It's nice it's i can't get bored and i can't get as easily stuck and so that's productive and i'm wondering like how how much you're thinking in terms of installation um because of the space you mean like am i um how how is the space affecting um the way yeah are you thinking are you thinking of it as like as you're working that you're just building this environment that you live in (laughs) yeah i yeah i mean when i first moved in i was I um, was like, okay, I'm going to take control over the space. And I reorganized it. And um, and then um, I did do more. Like the first month here, I sort of did more installation work. And I hung up these, like what I'm calling these soft walls to sort of take control over how the space is divided. And also the, the, it's a really particular space. It's very dark. Like it's, you know, there's dark wood and... Um, the light is really, um, from the windows is really specific. And, um, I wanted to control it more. So it was, it was kind of nice for me to hang my own walls and, um, do, I did a collage on, on directly on the wall and I, um, started placing sculpture and it is, it, it sort of is building up. Um, but I think once I did that the first month and sort of like put my mark on it and made some larger works that organized the site. I've been able to sort of backtrack in a way. And I've actually been working, I think I sent you those images of the small sculpture. I've been working on these small sculptures and paintings. So they're actually two things that don't really relate to the space at all, you know, or don't need to rely on the space. Um, And in a way, I think that makes sense that my initial instinct was to do something that was really spatial, really connected to the site um, and interacting with the site. And then once I did that, I could like take a deep breath and just um, like get small, which is kind of nice. It feels like really, uh, you know, God, to get small in this really big space is, um, I don't know, it feels really nice. Yeah. (laughs) That's so interesting. I also noticed (laughs) that you hung up almost like a, a dividing painting or something, um, yeah. a, a fabric hanging. And I was wondering if, yeah, if it was this feeling that you needed to figure out how to contend with this wide open space, but it makes perfect sense because I feel like your work often begins from a place of measurements and containment. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Totally. And, and, and all the like larger, paintings or sculpture, whatever they are that are in the space now, do come from measurements that I took of the space. And um, there's sort of, I'm using this like nylon ripstop to make these those walls and they're hanging from pipes that are hanging down from the ceiling. And um, the bases of them I've colored with colored, pen, colored pencil. And the bases are sort of like jutting either towards you or away from you if that makes sense so they're sort of I don't know they're like um either inviting you in or or 
creating like mystery. So you have to walk around and see what's on the other side. So it's, it mm. is, um, um, it is, yeah, I, it, it is definitely, um, like I said, like controlling, I think the way you walk through the space and experience it. Yeah. That's so interesting. I wish I could experience it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so this is, I think that was part of it too. It's like, okay, so now I've done all this installation work. So now what? Because <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I'm, all, no one's gonna come, and I have to go home eventually. And I, you know, I. So it's, it's just like a funny. I, but I feel like I've had this predicament before, and I realize now it's a lot more actually about photography and photographing it, and, and maybe I'll make another book from those. And mm -hmm. but I think that's also what got me to think, okay, maybe it's time to like work smaller again and actually make something that you know, these paintings and these smaller sculptures are still connected to my experience here, but they are something that I'll be able to remove from the site and take back to New York. And that's, that's nice also. Yeah. They'll fit mm -hmm. in your car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when we were texting, you said you've been working on, uh, films or videos. What, what, what's been going on with that? Yeah. Well, that's, um, yeah, that's this new project that I'm working on. Really, um, I'm really excited about because I do feel like it's sort of somehow bringing together what I've made here so far and what I came like intending to do. And um, I've been making every day um, two 30 second films that are um, of the same view out one of the windows of a street corner below. And the the film ends up being very like flattened and, and abstracted because it's, it's just, um, it's just a street and you see like two parallel lines, which are the crosswalk and you see two triangles at the top and at the bottom of the frame, which are like parking spots. Um, and you see, um, the shadow of one tree. So it has to be a sunny day that I film it so that that shadow can show. Um, and, I um, film for 30 seconds and um, capture basically any sort of movement that happens. So it could be the shadow of a bird flying overhead, or it could be a car passing through, or it could be a car stopping because it is um, a, an intersection, um, or it could be a leaf blowing or an insect flying around um, or the, the tree, the shadow of the tree moving. And it could also be the frame of the film itself slightly shifting because I'm holding the camera. So I try to keep it still, but sort of ends up going up and down. And um, what I do then is I, I sit down and I write out the, all the movements that I saw in those 30 seconds. So I look back at the film and I check um, when the bird flew and, and the direction it was flying. And I sort of do like a line or like arrow drawings showing the different actions that are happening in each film. And then from those line drawings, I've been making these little sculptures. <laughs> it's like a totally, um, it sounds, sounds kind of crazy when I, I talk about the whole process I don't think you would necessarily look at those sculptures and be, you, well, I know you couldn't look at the sculptures and understand the film, yeah. you know, though I, 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 maybe, you know, maybe if they were shown beside each other, you might, but that's not really the point. It's more, um, 
know I've been thinking a lot about um, the way I work. Like I, I mentioned, I think at some point in this conversation, I've been thinking not about why I do things, but how I do things. And I realize when I make my paintings or um, assemblages or installations or sculptures, there's a lot of rules that I create for myself and then I, I break them like over and over again and, or, or revise them. So, you know, I'll break a rule and then slightly revise it and then move forward and I'll break it again and move forward, break it again. And eventually I get to the objects I want that feels right. Um, and I've been thinking about working, uh, approaching a project in a more a precise way with like um, a clear set of rules that I cannot break. Um, and that's mm. how I came up with this project for myself where it's like, okay, each day that it's sunny, I'll make these two 30 second films. Then I'll make two sculptures from those films. So there's, um, you know, this series of, of pairs of sculptures and um, they're painted um, each you know, one sculpture is painted the sort of burnt sienna color. The other sculpture is painted a bright red. And then I use a series of colored pencils to draw over them. Mm. So this is, it sounds very, it's really hard to explain without showing you in person, but yeah. there's like a very specific sequence and order that I do things. But then of course, there's still so much intuition that comes into play when I'm in the translating of the film and the, and the movement in the film into these you know, sculptures. Um, do you know that, uh, do you know this film, um, Smoke? Uh, it's, it's like about a cigar shop. It's like Harvey Keitel's in it. Uh, it's like an indie film from the... I don't know it, no. It's like an indie film from the 90s. And he has this project in, in the film where he goes outside every day at the same time on uh, like 16th Street and takes a photo in the same direction. And he has like this album. Oh, cool. Like every day that he kind of uh, chronicles this. And like I... I mean, one of the the things that I really respond to in your work is this idea of site specificity, to use the much uh, maligned art term, but I, I just, I think this is such an interesting way because there, there is like this um, element of remove, this mediation mm -hmm. between, I don't know, documentation and then response. Right. I, I use the word site specific a lot for my work because I feel like I make things that are built in or, or like, you know, suited for a specific place, but like physically, formally, or like physically and structurally suited to, to a particular place. And, um, but I don't, I don't know, like, but I also think that there is, there's always like some sort of um, distance between what I've made and the site itself. So like, I don't even know how site specific is even like a useful term yeah. always for what I'm doing. And I think, um, yeah. And in that sense, like this, this project is, interesting because of course it is very much it's coming very much from one site um but it's really not it doesn't matter like these objects are are their own thing um and they don't need to be shown in a specific place um you know maybe they need to be shown in a specific order and it, it using like I, i've sort of laid them out in a specific pattern but um the actual site doesn't matter I uh, I was wondering about you know being in Corsicana in this particular time uh, since we do have this sort of shelter in place and 
I mean, how, I mean, this is, sounds like this project seems like you're sort of responding to the snow globeness of being in that building, looking down on the world that you can't, <laughs> mm. you know. Yeah, I mean, they definitely, yeah, that's definitely true. I mean, I don't think um, that's like what, I don't think that's what I'm particularly interested in with this project is that um, circum the circumstance I find myself in, but it's true, yes, I'm very much up in this room looking down on <laughs> things. Um, yeah. Linnea, I, I think I've heard um, that Corsicana is famous for their brick. Yeah. That's something you've <laughs> investigated? I mean, I just thought it was worth pointing out that the title of the show we did together was yes. Running Bond, yeah. which yeah. I think um, is a reference to a bricklaying pattern yes. um, that sort of holds the structure of the bricks together and um i seem to remember that corsicano is famous for their brick so i didn't know if you had investigated that at all or heard much about it i haven't heard, i mean i see that a lot of the roads are brick and a lot of the bricks have like corsicano printed on them mm. i've noticed i'm sure that they're made here i did it was my my boyfriend's birthday while i was here and because all the stores were closed, I actually sent him a brick. They <laughs> didn't know what else. I was like, I love that. The color was beautiful, and I was like, well, I think this is you know, and it felt it felt heavy, <laughs> and it you know had like a nice weight to it. Um, but I, I that's all I know. I haven't been using the bricks. I, I mean, I use bricks when I to do to hold things down. You know, like they're a great weight, which is why they end up coming into my work. Um, um, and I use like actually you're pointing out that picture of like the I carved into my grandmother's garden mm -hmm. and um, and like it's actually the soil isn't pigmented it's just like ground up uh, brick dust that is okay. spread on it so that's what gives it the color um, yeah I just find I, I, you know bricks are always around and they're always there's always a reason to use them <laughs> or, or you know like a, they they lend themselves to, themselves to so many different things and um but i haven't been using them here except for um weights and um presents for liam <laughs> i love that <laughs> okay guys well I, I think we should wrap this thing up I, I mean um i really appreciate you uh taking the time uh to talk a little bit about your work and olivia thank you for um you know helping to, to, to guide this conversation and, and bringing your insights to it. Yeah, well, thank, thank you. you for, yeah, thank you for coordinating this. And thank you, thank you, Olivia, for, for, for giving your time and for talking with me. Oh, yeah. Well, this is super enjoyable for me. And um, it's great to see how you're doing at the residency, Linnea. Thank you. 